that I've been talking a little bit about uh, loving God, particularly last week, just loving God with all our heart. And this, the command of Jesus to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, um, was playing into some of the things that I love about the vineyard, some of our core practices of, like this morning worship, that we actually say that, you know, whether there's sound, you know, whether there's light and noise and everything like that, we want to worship. When we gather together, one of the first things we do is actually set up and practice the sound. And that, because it's, it's, that's part of, part of who we are as a movement, as a church, as a people. So well done to Bev, in actual fact, because, and Craig, who's not here, and the rest of the team, because they, they'd been practicing on Thursday. Bev was excited about all these new songs, and I hadn't even looked at the load shedding. Can you not upset what I'm saying? Would you like to come and share about that? Okay, can I carry on? Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. And you do know that you're sitting on the side of my hearing impaired ear. So I can just hear this matter, 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 matter. And I don't know what she's saying. But she does know that. Uh, just for the rest of the hearing impaired people. She actually sleeps on that side. It's intentional. <laughs> so, right. I have no idea where I, where I was. But what I did want to say, darling, was that it was Craig, in actual fact, who said to me, there's no power on Sunday. It was like mid-morning yesterday. And I mean, we've all got these apps and everything, and, I, and none of us checked. None of you on the worship team even looked. You know, and Craig messages me, and it's like 8 till 10.30, the worst possible time that we could get load shit. So Bev actually was then scrambling and, and putting out that WhatsApp, um, the final list, literally at 9 o'clock this morning. So um, in the midst of that, I was actually just trying to say, well done for all of that. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, with that also is, is this thing of that we want to still share God's word with one another. And then we also, you know, we want to be able to, you know, just also pray for people so that when we connect with what God is beginning to stir and do with us in worship, or if there's something in the message that begins to stew with it, we also want to just be able to like, say afterwards, well, there's tea and coffee, like one of our ooh, advice for like a number one priority, you know. But, but just before you rush off, it's nice actually just to say, well, let's just bless what God is doing, and let's just invite him. So sometimes it's like to say, Lord, we want more of this. Sometimes it's to say, Lord, we need some breakthrough. And that also relates to me in terms of our soul, our strength. We want the Spirit to touch all of us. So I want to go on a bit of a tangent this morning and, and keep coming back to Jesus' summary of the great commandment. Um, and this morning I wanted to look at a story that I think we know so well in Genesis and just with the, the thing of, you know, we talk about worshiping God. We talk about loving God. But, you know, sometimes we, we need to be reminded and ask the question and pray and just say, so who are you? you know, who is God? And most importantly, why 
the word of God, this holy scripture is so important is because it's scripture that reveals to us and continually reveals and challenges and shows us who God is. Otherwise, we just keep creating these notions of who God is by what we see in society around us, what you see on TV, what you hear on your favorite podcast, or even what silly preachers like me share. You know, but it's, it's actually Holy Scripture that reveals to us the nature, the character of who God is. So that's why it's nice. You know, so you need to listen to preachers who preach from the Bible, but that's just a different thing. Let me not go there. And when I don't preach from the Bible, you just need to say, you know, I'm going for tea and coffee. You heard me say, it's one of our priorities. <laughs> so let's share the story this morning of Jacob's ladder, which is not a ladder at all, but we'll get to that. So Genesis chapter 28 from verse 10. Genesis 28 is, in actual fact, a pivotal moment in the history of Israel. And it's a, it's a key story of God revealing himself to his people. So, you know the story, but let's read it. So Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And there was no Eskel. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord. The God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you lie. This land on which you're sleeping. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and they will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised or promised to you. When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, well, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, that I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And the stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of that you give me and all of that that you give me, I will give you a tenth. 
So why is this such a pivotal story? So previously we know God had revealed himself to Abraham and his descendants, and he promised to Abraham, he'd made a covenant with Abraham, and the covenant was to bless Abraham and make of him a nation like the sand on the beaches or the sand in the desert, as many as like it would, his, his family in this nation would be innumerable. And God repeated that promise to his descendants to make them as well, um, and critically in that covenant with Abraham, to make them a nation, but that that nation will be a blessing to the other nations of the earth. But it was only to Isaac that God began to reveal himself as the God that was with him, particularly that phrase. Genesis 26 starts out, I am the God who is with you. And so this promise of personal presence finds like increased fulfillment in the story and this um, this dream of Jacob's dream at Bethel. So God, God reiterates the promises to Abraham and Isaac um, and personalizes them to Jacob and his descend- descendants. But the focus of what Jacob sees and hears is this, that God is saying that he is giving him the revelation of his presence. There's a different emphasis. There's an emphasis of the presence of God. It's a revelation that I think anticipates a whole lot that then starts unraveling in Scripture and particularly in the New Testament. And it's, it's quite a key thing in terms of what the Bible says about humanity. God wants to be with us. He doesn't want to just bless us. He doesn't just promise us an inheritance that started with Abraham, a nation, and an inheritance, and a land where we will find that inheritance, which is then the rest of the story. But this key aspect of this vision, not just for Jacob, but for his descendants, us. God wants to be with you. So Jacob had this like, uh, it's really daunting future. Um, and it was the first time that he was truly alone. He was by himself and he was in a situation where something changed. This promise of God to Abraham and to Isaac. And now this vision and this dream, now all of a sudden, Jacob needs to encounter God for himself. It's not about what he said to Abraham and to Isaac. It's about, you know what? I'm on this journey. I need to know that God has promised this for my descendants. And I need to have this personal encounter with God. And you know, we often say that. It's not, it's not good enough that your parents were amazing Christians. It's not good enough that you were brought up in church. You know, um, it doesn't help that, um, you know, you went to Sunday school or whatever. There are times in your life that you have to say, I need to know that I personally 
have an encounter and a relationship and a revelation of who God is for the next stage of my journey. So it's a personal thing for all of us. But you know, I think it's, there's also seasons of that. And that's why I'm saying, you know, some of you are sitting here, you've got a few more gray hairs than I have. I was inviting you to come forward because you've got more hearing aids than I have. I don't have any yet. Point of contention. But, um, <laughs> but, but you, know, it's, you know, even for us to say, like this next phase, you know, the next 60, Lynn, you know, the next 160, Matthew, it's like, is, I need God for this part of the journey that I'm on. So Jacob needs to know God himself. So just a little in Tissan Hakizia. You know, in, in art and in sort of metaphors and that, we talk about Jacob's ladder. And I think it goes back to maybe some old translations and things like that. But the Hebrew word is not a ladder. It's a staircase. Okay, so in actual fact, I was looking at um, one mural of this, you know, these little ladders that we have. You know, when you sort of put a ladder up to change a light or, you know, to paint something. (laughs) You know, yes, it's ambiguous. Maybe it could be something like that. But... In the ancient Near East, um, in Mesopotamia, which quite likely Jacob had seen, there were these ziggurats, which I wanted to put up behind us this morning. And a ziggurat is a huge construction. You could think of one of those Aztec um, pyramids, you know, quite a, a squat pyramid, and one of the, a massive staircase that goes up to the top. So it's, it's stories and stories high. And within the ancient Near East, there was a culture of, you know, God lives on high. You know, so on the mountains and the high places we read in the prophets. And even so building the Mesopotamians, um, building these ziggurats. And I'm not even sure, I'm not read into all that they did, but, but places of worship, places of connecting with God. That was in the culture. And so biblical scholars are saying it, it could be that that is the image that Jacob had in his dream. It would have been familiar with him, this massive construction. But here's something incredibly interesting. And here again, some translations miss the nuance of it. So the nuance is in the story. But the first word is that we often read that we think there's a ladder Angels were going up and down the ladder, and God is at the top of the ladder, and Jacob is at the bottom of the ladder sleeping. So firstly, it's, it's the better, and most modern translations say, it's a staircase. It'll be stories high, okay? And in actual fact, the Hebrew nuance of that is God stood beside Jacob. And if you look at some of your your translations, and if you've got, you don't, don't do it now, and you just click on that little um, asterisk that says the side. So it's basically, you know, it's, it's kind of, think of it like this. You know, take a shorter person. Person, imagine, like an ounce sitting here. I can 
a staircase, possibly this massive staircase, the size of a pyramid, okay? God is not this little thing from the Wizard of Oz <laughs> standing on the top of the pyramid, like all the other gods and icons and little statues in Mesopotamia. God is standing next to the whole thing. And he is both beside Jacob who's sleeping and towering above the whole thing. But definitely the context of the story is that God was with next to Jacob. So however you want to work out the pictures and everything like this, this is, and this is the heart of God's promise to Jacob. That's how the story works. So angels, so this is quite incredible. So that, the ancient Near East, had little icons and idols and things like that, and they built these structures and they worshipped and that, and they thought of God as this God in the heavens. So we'll build stuff to get closer to him. And we often, we think like, our Father who art in heaven, pray like that. But, but this key, like, mind-blowing message says God did not stand at the top of the pyramid or at the top of the staircase. God also didn't use the angels going up and down because angels are God's messengers. And what God should have done is just sent his pigeons down with a message. But he didn't do that. God comes down the staircase, towers over all of it, and stands next to Jacob and says, I'm the God who is with you. And that, again, that changes everything. It is, it is a radical, I mean, it's a radical shift. And like key, so, you know, even Jacob, Jacob goes and he puts a stone there. But theologically, it's another radical stone of God revealing who he is. And even Jacob is going, let's call this place Bethel, the house of God. I didn't know God was in this place. And even there we start mixing up what God is saying to us. Because God is not saying to him, I'm in this place. God is saying, I'm with you. And the promise in this passage is not come back here. The promise is go. And when you go, I'll be with you. And, and that, if you think of it, because, I mean, we've read the whole story, you know, even if you've just had bits in Sunday school, you know, it's like, that, that is kind of what God was doing with Isaac and Abraham and what God was doing in the garden. 
But it, it's just, you know, another way of saying it, it's, it's God emphasizing what he always wanted. So what he was doing with Abraham and how churches and people and the Israelites and us always kind of take that covenant and we, we look at that and it's like the promise of the inheritance and everything. Wonderful. Amazing. And God is saying, okay, now you are going on a journey. You yourself. You don't have dad, granddad, great-granddad, all of them. You need to know who I am. And as you fulfill this promise that I gave to your forefathers, my promise is to be with you. And that's incredible. And I have a whole lot of stories here. I can, you just see that through Jacob's life. So a number of times in Scripture, maybe I'll go back to next week, going to just flit along through this. But even when Jacob wants to journey back to Bethel and build an, an altar, he doesn't talk about God was in that place. He talks about the fact that God has been with me. And at the end of his life, God says to him, well, you know what? Now we're going to Egypt. And your descendants are going to Egypt. And Jacob's like, you know what? I've done a lot of journeying. I've done a lot of traveling. Like, seriously, God? Like, he, at the, towards the end of his life, he's like, I've done enough of this. You know? It's like, send, send the kids. You know? It's like, take the kids. Answer, let me go to Bethel. Let's build a huge temple there. Send the kids into Egypt. God says, you're going into Egypt. All your descendants are going into Egypt. But I'll be with you. So you can read that if you read from 28 to 48. Just look carefully. And finally in 48.15, at the end of a very long life, Jacob looks back and he looks back on God's faithfulness, his unfailing presence, his protection. And he says this. He says in verse 15, God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. So Jacob also was a shepherd. And he'd seen shepherds wherever he was journeying. And one of the key and probably most loved Psalms in all the scriptures, Psalm 23. And Psalm 23, which could have been written by any of these guys, you know. <laughs> it's like, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, that had been their story. It was always their story. And sometimes it feels like your story. So it's like coming from PE to Johannesburg. You feel like, yeah, though I walk through the valley of this. And sometimes, you know, it, it can be, I don't know. You know, whether you go into a business meeting, probably into a family meeting, more likely. You know, there's sometimes you're like, oh, Lord, such drama. And Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Do you know that that phrase, you are with me, in this beautiful, (laughs) 
That's, like, that's quite profound, eh? You know. So in the middle of this incredible metaphor about God's protection, God's provision, God is like a shepherd. The middle of the song is that the key thing about a shepherd is he is with the sheep. And we know this, you know this of ancient shepherds, even today, if you're in rural areas, they don't have barns, they don't have cell phones and trackers. We've got a friend with a tracker for their cat. You know that. <laughs> yeah, let's not go off on that thing. But, but shepherds lived, slept with their sheep. I've lost you completely with that bird. It's like, oh my word. <laughs> but I mean, the amazing thing, and, and, and again, structurally, the middle of Psalm 23, the, the key center of the psalm as a poem or as a literary work is that phrase. It's the center of the, of the psalm. God is with you. And yet, we want God. We need your provision. We need your protection. We need you taking us into the promised land. We need your inheritance. But most of all, we need God with us. And in the Revelation, Isaiah chapter 7, Emmanuel, John chapter 1, to be continued. Because now there's property. So, no, no, just... And so let's pray again this morning. And let's bring ourselves with wherever we are on our journey. You might feel like you're in the promised land. I'd love you to pray with me today. <laughs> Happily, you might feel like there's, you're in the wilderness. You know, it's, it's dry. I used a silly phrase last week. I said it, you know, spoke about, um, you know, maybe you feel like your job is like sand in your mouth. You know where it came from. And um, but Lee was sitting here afterwards and I just didn't put a hand up and we landed up praying for a whole lot of people and she just sat and you could sense she wasn't ready to go for tea. And I said to her, you okay, what's happening? She says, yeah, my job's like sand in my mouth. Prayed. Hey, there you are. I thought you'd gone with Alex. But so like sometimes we sit here and you know that your situation, your work, your next part of the journey is just a place where you say, I need your presence. I want your promises. I want your provision. I want your protection. Most of all, would you go with me? Would you be with me?